Welcome to the Aspect Practice Conversations podcast. Through these podcasts, we aim to share stories and information regarding aspect practice through interviews with carers, teachers, parents, and academics. For more information about anything you hear today, please visit the Aspect website at aspect.org.au. There's a phrase which has become the bane of my working existence, which is, without consequences, they'll never learn. I, when I first started doing positive behaviour support work, I didn't know about the attitudes that underlie that particular phrase. And increasingly, as we've been involved with lots of young people and adults with autism and other disabilities, we've become aware that the attitude that underlies that phrase can cause a lot of difficulties and problems in the way that people are supported. And what is that attitude? The attitude is that if there is a behaviour which is challenging, that it needs to be punished. And that's the main way that people will learn new behaviours. I'm here today with Tom Tutton, Positive Behaviour Support Specialist, and Virginia Wellam, who works at an Aspect School. What we're looking at is the idea of positive behaviour support. Tom, can you tell us a little bit about what positive behaviour support means? Indeed. The first step, I think, is to understand that it's an approach to supporting situations where there's challenging behaviour. The word challenging behaviour is called challenging because the challenge is for those people who support the individual, the person themselves isn't a challenging person. So the challenge is it challenges us to do the right work to help in the situation. The idea about understanding challenging behaviour is that it isn't something which is owned only by one individual. And I've had people say to me about a young person, they need to own their behaviour. The reality of the situation is we all need to own a person's behaviour. Behaviour is an interaction between an individual, all of those people who support that individual, the environment they're in, and the culture that that environment lives in as well. And good positive behaviour support takes into account all of those variables in helping to support situations where there is challenging behaviour. Positive behaviour support is different, I think, from other approaches to managing behaviour in that it's purely positive. So it looks at strengthening positive behaviours, teaching replacement behaviours, using strategies like reinforcement, which is, I think, much more ethical and productive in terms of getting results. It's also proactive as well. So it doesn't just wait for something to go wrong before it acts. Punishment, by definition, is a reactive strategy Good positive behaviour support is about identifying where things may happen and then aiming to prevent them so that it develops environments where uh, people are calmer, things are better, and that's a much more conducive attitude and environment for learning new behaviours. So tell me a little bit about consequences. When people say without consequences they'll never learn, what are they actually referring to? What they're referring to is a punishment. And I'm not sure how this has happened but the world has found a way of changing the language around behaviour support that means that the previously difficult attitudes like punishment have been given a softening, and they call that now a consequence. The reason I think why it feels like a softening because a consequence is just something that happens after a behaviour. It's not my doing, so it's easier to do. The flip side of this is now when people are given reinforcement or rewards, people refer to it as bribery. And that actually makes it harder to do. Nobody likes to be punishing and bribing. 
However, in reality, a bribe is something you give to somebody to break the law, to do the wrong thing. You don't have to bribe people to do the right thing. And I think sometimes language around behaviour support can actually make doing the right thing even more difficult. So would it be right to say that a traditional approach focuses on the carer or teacher or the parent and the child in question, as opposed to PBS, which I understand focuses on a much wider group of people? I think that's right, that we don't just look at an individual. We look at all the individuals in that person's environment. We look at the environment itself, and the environment is an amazing teacher. It shapes our own behaviour. I know personally I've behaved very differently when I've been in an environment which I haven't been comfortable in. But we also look about the history of the behaviour. We look and understand the person's disability and how that affects their behaviour as well. So I think there is a much more holistic approach that we would take. The other thing I think is that traditional approaches, they expect everything to go well and only when something goes wrong do people implement these so-called discipline strategies. PBS is about not just waiting for things to go wrong, but actually anticipating them beforehand and making sure we put into place good strategies so that we see the right behaviour and hopefully a lot less of the challenging behaviour. So tell me, Virginia, when did you first come across PBS? Well, I'd have to say that formally uh, it was through Aspect about five years ago when I got the job, but throughout my psychology degree there was the discussions of the effects of positive and negative reinforcements and the short and long-term effects of that. But as positive behaviour support that Tom Tutton refers to, it was through Aspect and that's when I started using it in the schools. We're trying to actually see what it is initially that is creating the behaviour. So that might be escape. So perhaps the antecedent was they were given a task that was too hard for them or wasn't structured in a way that they could understand. So then you're starting to see challenging behaviours arise because of them being unsure of what to do. So the antecedent is actually the task. And so you're actually trying to find out before you just deal with the fact that they've become challenging, you need to find out what you can do in a proactive manner to structure that task to then prevent the behaviour from happening. A few years ago, I was working with a high support student uh, who was nonverbal and often we had aggressive behaviours from him such as biting and pinching. So we went through the data collection with the ABC charts um, and doing the motivational assessment scale. Can you tell me a little bit about the ABC chart? The ABC chart is collecting data on observations when the behaviours occur, but we don't just focus on the behaviour. We also look at the antecedent, which is what's happening before the behaviour, and then the behaviour, and then the consequence, which is what happens immediately after the behaviour. That's not the negative consequence. So in this case, what did you actually observe? What was the antecedent, what was the behaviour, and what was the consequence? Their antecedent was he took the teacher's hand and tried to direct them towards something in the cupboard. The teacher was unsure about what they wanted. And so then the behaviour was that he pinched and he bit. Um, and then the consequence was that he was redirected immediately after that away from the teacher and back to his work desk. And how did you, based on this ABC principle, how did you assess the behaviour? What decision did you come to about what was the causing the behaviour and how you could respond to it in a more effective manner? So we found through the data collection that the function of the behaviour was tangible, which meant he was trying to get something. Not having the verbal communication would mean that after he was attempting to communicate and wasn't getting the desired outcome, 
he was then um, becoming aggressive. So that was the behaviour. Once we could identify that through the data collection, we then started teaching him picture exchange communication so that that sort of gave him a voice as such. He was able to get his message across through picture exchange and that reduced his frustration because he was being heard. And I understand that actually led to other types of communication which he didn't seem capable of initially. No, through the picture exchange communication system, he actually started to begin talking. Initially, he'd just say a few words. By the end of the year, he would say a sentence like, I want Play-Doh or I want food. That must have had a huge impact on his well-being. It was really great. For him, you could see his frustration was significantly decreased. He could talk to someone and he might not be able to get what he wanted straight away, but he would could understand the response of, first, if you finish your work, then you can have what he'd requested. And he knew that someone was listening to him and he appeared so much happier that people knew what he was saying. What were some of the other elements of his environment that you addressed through PBS? So that was setting up a timetable for him so he knew exactly what he had to do to get what he wanted and so he was able to do his work and then get what he wanted afterwards. So he actually had a chance to learn that by engaging in positive behaviour he was able to get a positive outcome, something that he wanted. Yes. So tell me a little bit, Tom, about I guess some of the broader ramifications of this. What does it actually mean for people to have the chance to communicate? I think... Virginia's described a couple of the great outcomes of good PBS. So an increase in skills, particularly an increase in communication skills. And I think that freedom that a person feels when they've had a long time being incredibly frustrated, not getting their message across, not being understood, finally they can communicate to people and people can understand. And if you've ever been to a country where you don't speak the language, you know how anxiety-provoking and how frustrating it can be when people don't understand you, you can't get your message across. So I think we can all sympathise with that situation. On top of that, I think there are a range of other outcomes that we'd look for. Yes, we want a reduction in behaviours of concern. Yes, we want an increase in everyday skills and particularly good functional communication skills. I would have to say with the student that I've been discussing at the end of the year when he makes a joke with me verbally, I, yeah, it was amazing that he, one, understood that the joke was funny and that he initiated that with someone and you could just see the pride on his face that he made me laugh and then he then ran around the playground and told all the other staff members the same joke and it went on for weeks and he carried it on to the next year actually as well, that joke, because he just, he was proud of it. And this is a kid who had been pretty much non-verbal at the beginning of the year. Completely non-verbal. And I think that comes back to the issue of punishment. If the school had taken a punitive approach for that behaviour, essentially what they're saying is, you have no right to communicate. We're actually not going to teach you to do that. We're just going to stop you from this form of communication. And the person ends up with no legitimate way of getting their message across. So it's really super that the school have really thought about this and thought about, well, let's teach that replacement. Not just how do we stop, but what do we want him to do instead? And that's often one of the really big questions around Good PBS is thinking about, well, what do we want people to do instead? What's the appropriate behaviour? How do we teach that and reinforce that? You use a really interesting analogy when you're trying to describe PBS to people. I was wondering if you could share it with us today. We talk to people about our model of supporting people on the autism spectrum. And we often 
get them to imagine a scenario. So we're sitting in a room now. Imagine if one of us had been in a wheelchair and up on the fourth floor here, there was no lift. There was only a set of windy stairs that come all the way up. And just before we're sitting down to record, we said, okay, well, where's Tom? He's at the bottom of the stairs in his wheelchair. Let's shout down the stairs. Come on, you come up the stairs. But I can't, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. In, in that situation, you know, somebody might say, ah, oh, Tom, he's being non-compliant. You know, he's got a challenging behavior. We know what we do with people with challenging behavior. We have to write them a behavior plan. So now Tom is labeled as having behavior, even though his simple rights as a person with a disability were not being met. And in that behavior plan, we'd say, ah, Tom needs a lift. He needs widened doorways. He needs a special toilet and, and other access. When you say it like that, most people laugh. It's ridiculous that you would portray somebody in a wheelchair as challenging because they couldn't walk up the stairs. But the interesting thing is in the world of autism, that's often what happens. I get called to support people because they have so-called behavior. But when you meet them, the things that are their right to have in their life, things like predictability through a visual schedule, communication supports, sensory supports, adapted environments and tasks are often not present, yet they are labeled as having behavior. So where we think it's most important to start is with the individual and with the, um, the autism spectrum and making sure that people have their needs met as a priority before we then start to think about any issues that relate to a person's behavior. That's the place to start, as it would be with a person in a wheelchair. Tom Tutton, Virginia Willem, thank you very much for joining the Aspect Practice podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Aspect Practice Conversations podcast. For more information about anything you heard today, please visit the Aspect website at aspect.org.au.